I got to tell you, I'm really excited about what God is doing in the church. I'm really excited. I feel and I see and I sense a move of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. And, you know, we, we talked about recently that we can't orchestrate it ourselves. We can't say, okay, Lord, on this day, January 31st, there's going to be a Holy Spirit move and we're going we're gonna to do this and we're going to do that. We can't do that. But what we can do is prepare ourselves. We can prepare ourselves so that we are ready for the move of God. And in the scriptures, we've been studying And we know that on the day of Pentecost that the apostles were together in prayer. And the Bible says, in one accord. In one accord. And when they were that, that thing, the Holy Spirit came with power. Came like a mighty rushing wind. Like a hurricane. And tongues of fire came to rest on each of them. And they all all began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave utterance, the Bible says. And all the people, it says, from every nation under heaven, okay? It was during the Passover. And um, so all these different people that spoke different language were in Jerusalem. And they're hearing all this commotion that's going on. And they're like, man, what, what's the deal with these guys? They got to be drunk. Okay, you know the story. They got to be drunk. But Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, addresses the crowd. He addresses the crowd with boldness. With boldness. Now, do you think... See, they were at risk of being killed. They were in hiding, okay? But Peter, moved now by the Holy Spirit, this is a total opposite of a few days prior, okay? Peter had denied three times that he even knew Christ. Jesus, his Lord, the one that said, if all others fall away, I will not. I'm ready to die with you right now. But when it came down to it, and the pressure was on, and the fire was hot, Peter choked. Peter choked under the pressure because it was risky. It was dangerous to be associated with Jesus. But this same Peter, after being filled, baptized in the Holy Spirit, became a different man. And he'd never be the same. And neither would Israel and Jerusalem because of his testimony. Peter was changed. There was a transformation 
and Peter and all of them when the Holy Spirit baptized them. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? What's the point? I hear some preachers say the Holy Spirit is not for today. I hear that coming from some very influential people, and I'm like, are you kidding me? What Bible are you reading, friend? That's, that's scary. That's scary. I can't imagine my life without the Holy Spirit in it. There's something that happens when you're filled and you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. You go from a ninny <laughs> to an Arnold Schwarzenegger. <clears throat> you go from a ninny to an Arnie. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> okay, moving along now. But that's what it does, really. It empowers you, man. It gives you strength. It gives you the ability. It, it, it's, it, it's the empowering that enables you to walk in obedience to the Word of God. There's a definite difference between the strength and the ability that we have prior to the Holy Spirit Walking in the Word of God, okay? When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we take on this new mind. There's a transformation. The Bible says, you be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind. The Word of God does that. The Holy Spirit does that. It renews you. It makes you somebody else. You become consumed with God, with God, you can't get enough. You can't get enough. Friends, the difference, there's a difference between religion that's cold and lifeless. Religion and relationship with Jesus Christ, the Lord of lords and the King of kings. There's difference. The cold religion with all of its laws and all of its rules and regulations and relationship. Love in love with Christ, our Lord and our Savior. There's more to it. The Holy Spirit comes over and it just washes over us. I want to walk you through. I, there, you can't read Acts without getting fired up, okay? You want to get fired up about your faith? Read Acts. Because this was immediately after Jesus was crucified and was risen, okay? This is the early church in the Holy Spirit. People were on fire, man. There was crazy stuff happening. Crazy stuff. Powerful stuff. Awesome stuff, miraculous stuff, wondrous stuff that God was doing. God was displaying who he is through these people. Acts chapter 2, <clears throat> verses 5 through 24. Now I want to take a few minutes and just 
pick out a few nuggets. Can we do that? Pick out a few golden nuggets here from this mine of Scripture. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews, listen now, from every nation under heaven, as we said. When they heard this sound, a crowd came to the, together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. In his own language. Okay? Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? And it goes on and it lists a ton of different languages. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring what? The wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. And what I want you to see is the transformation of this guy. This is the same guy, the same guy that denied Christ. And here he is after the Holy Spirit. And he's addressing the crowd even though it's dangerous. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. He's saying that this is fulfillment of prophecy from Joel 2.28, I think it is. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I'm, I'm seeing lots of visions, not, not dreams. You catch that? Okay. Young men, right? Even in my, on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Other versions say great and dreadful day of the Lord. It's going to be both. And everyone, listen to this, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel... He calls them right out. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death 
because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Over in verse 31, seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of this fact. All us guys, the apostles, that's us. We were with him. We were with him. We saw it with our own eyes. We heard it with our own ears. God has raised this Jesus to life. And we are all witnesses of the fact, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father, now listen, the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. This Holy Spirit was promised before it came, and now it has come. So what you're seeing here, he's saying, is not drunkenness, it's not this, it's not that, it's fulfillment of prophecy. It's the Holy Spirit being poured out. And you're seeing it and you're hearing it. Down in verse 36, Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He's pointing the finger at him hard. God has made Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Wow. <clears throat> Brothers I, and sisters, I would say that that's quite a transformation. This is a different guy. This ain't the same guy. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Hmm. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now listen. Listen to what else happens here. (coughs) Something happens among the believers. Now listen, let's read. Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Okay? So it was not a one-time wham-bam, thank you, ma'am, thing. It's an ongoing thing. You follow me? They devoted themselves It's a continual thing to teaching, to fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. How about that as a concept? Selling their possessions and goods 
they gave to anyone who had need. You know, I tend to think that if there was a lot more of that going on, there'd be a lot less hunger, a lot less poverty in the world that we live in. You think? Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's awesome. So it paints this picture of unity togetherness, sharing, love and compassion, genuine caring, receiving, wondrous works done by the Holy Spirit. Chapter 3, verse 1. So we're kind of, if you want to look at it this way, there's an action and then a result, okay? And so, of course, the main overarching one is the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that yields a lot of results, okay? But there's things that are under that as well. So uh, chapter 3, verse 1, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who uh, were going into the temple courts. <clears throat> when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave, him, gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have. But what I have, I give to you. What I have, I give to you. (laughs) In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And I can't help but remember this Sunday school song. Do you guys remember that Sunday school song? Bev's waving her hands back there. That's where I learned it. That's where I learned it. Peter and John went to pray. They met a layman on the way. He asked them for money and held out his hand. And this is what Peter did say. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They went walking and leaping and praising God, walking and leaping and praising God. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. How about that, huh? Wow. <clears throat> I remember learning that back in Sunday school. <laughs> oh, yeah. But what a picture that paints, isn't it? What a picture that paints. And so this man, who was crippled from birth, was carried to the gates of the temple court 
where people would walk by. And he calls out to Peter and John as they pass by, and he's, he's begging for money. Okay? And they said, I don't have any money, but I do got something that you need. In Jesus' name, get up and walk. <laughs> get up and walk. And he takes him by the hand, and he pulls him up. And immediately, the man's ankles and his legs and his feet were strong, and he jumped up in the air, jumped to his feet, and began to walk. And he went jumping and leaping and praising God into the temple. How about that? When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit, used to sit, begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Here is a huge result. And it doesn't end there, friends. It doesn't end there. So this guy, hoping to get something of the world, receives something so much better. He receives a gift from God. Now think about it. This guy, later on it says that this guy was 40, 40 years old or something. So he's probably been now, I'm just purely speculating here, but I think it's fairly accurate that he was probably at that temple gate for over 20 years. That's a very good possibility, maybe even close to 30. Begging at the temple gate. So everybody knew this guy. Everybody. Because everybody goes to the temple. Everybody walks by this guy, and they see him every day begging. Now, this guy's up jumping around, walking around. What do you think that says? Whoa, something serious going on here, right? God is displaying his power through this man's life. Through this man's disability. God is displaying his might and his power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> and it goes on and it continues. I just want to read a little further. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Now here he is again. He's addressing. So this guy that's jumping around, that was just healed is attracting a lot of attention, okay? And so everybody's coming around to see what's going on. How did this guy get healed? What's, what's the big thing here? What's the commotion? In today's time, we would call them rubberneckers. You ever see an accident? You're like, oh, man, wow, what's going on? Okay? They want to see what's going on. Men of Israel, he says, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power and godliness we had made this man walk? He's saying, why are you surprised? Is not God powerful? Don't look at us. We, it's not by our power alone that this happened. It's not by our godliness. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his son Jesus. 
you handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. So even Pilate, who was a ruthless killer, decided there was nothing wrong that Jesus was doing, and he was willing to let him go. So he's putting it back in their own laps. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released. Who was the murderer? Barabbas. You killed the author of life. Listen to these accusations. But God raised him from the dead. We are all witnesses of this by faith in the name of Jesus. This man whom you see and know was made strong. So Peter's making no bones about where this power's coming from. It ain't me, friends. It's God himself. It's the power of God. It is the Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see with your own eyes. I don't need to convince you of anything. You see it. He's right here. Wow. That's some serious stuff right there. That is some serious stuff. Let's go down to Acts chapter 4. Verse 3. So this continues to attract more and more attention, okay? And it's beginning to cause some trouble. In verse 3, let's pick up there. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put him in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. The next day, rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in, in, in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. So was Caiaphas. You remember those names? Yes. When Jesus was crucified? John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and be, began to question them. Now listen to the question they ask. How about this question? By what power or what name did you do this? So they're like trying to find out where, where, you know, is this demonic power or, where, you know, where are you guys getting all this from? Is this magic? What's the thing? Then Peter, verse 8, filled with what? The Holy Spirit. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people. Here he is again. He's addressing important people. It's risky. He's risking his life now when just days, a short time earlier, he was denying his Savior. Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. <clears throat> he is, and he quotes Scripture, the stone the builders rejected, which has become the capstone, the most important stone. Salvation, in verse 12, is found in nobody else, for there is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. 
when they saw the courage of Peter, so now these are just average guys, and they're speaking with this great authority and this knowledge that has come from the Holy Spirit. They're testifying about God. They have become literally God's ambassadors, God's messengers. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. How many of you have ever felt inadequate when trying to witness to somebody? Or you know somebody's hurting, and you're trying to um, speak of the things of God to somebody, and you feel like, man, I'm just stumbling all over myself. I don't have the right words. I don't remember Scripture. I just, it's not in here. And, and, and you feel so inadequate. I remember some other people in the Bible feeling that way. Remember Moses? Ever hear that guy? <laughs> remember him? How inadequate did he feel? God had a big job for him to do. Moses, you're my guy. No, Lord. Maybe you ought to, you might have made a mistake. You might want to choose somebody else. I'm not a great speaker. I've heard some of you say that same thing. I'm not a great speaker. I can't, I can't speak to people. It's not you. It's not you. It's the Holy Spirit. And so I had somebody call me the other day, just two days ago, and somebody, a, a family member, okay, so a friend's father, had committed suicide. And this person was, wanted so badly to be able to just comfort them with scriptures and, and, and so much doubt, you know, with suicide and how difficult that is on everyone involved. And I said, you know what? You don't need to be worried. Don't worry about it. God's going to give you what to say. And it ain't got to be perfect. It ain't got to be perfect, you know? But you speak, and when you speak, God will give you what to say. And in many cases, your actions speak louder than your words do. And I prayed for them, you know, and, and, uh, but the Word of God, boy, it just, uh, it's life. It's life. the Holy Spirit. I really feel that God wants to work in your lives and in my life. And it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, okay? Maybe you're not even a Christian. You're just here to visit. I don't know. I don't know. You know. God knows. Okay? But God wants to give you Gifts. God wants to give you the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, you say, well, why do I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because without it, you're weak. Okay? You're weak without the Holy Spirit. Okay? The Holy Spirit empowers you. The Holy Spirit works through you and in you. The Holy Spirit gives you boldness. There's something supernatural the Scriptures come to your mind when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. It says if God Himself is speaking through you, 
miracles, wonders. The Bible says in, what is that scripture? These signs will, will follow them that believe. I thought I wrote it down here, but I can't remember. <clears throat> Somebody look that up for me. These signs will follow them that believe. The dead are raised, the sick are healed, and so on and so forth. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is vital. It's absolutely vital in the life of the believer. And it's God's gift. It's so important that God said to his disciples, the ones that were going to build the church, he says, stay where you are. Don't move. Stay there until what? The Holy Spirit comes. The gift that the Father has promised. Until you receive it, don't leave Jerusalem. And it came just as he promised. Just as he promised. Friends, the Holy Spirit is vital in the lives of believers. It makes the difference. It makes the difference of weakness and strength and boldness and fear. You see, the same fear is there. The same fear is there, but the strength to overcome the fear comes from the Holy Spirit. Do you follow? There's a difference. There's a difference. Would you stand with me today? Some of you were here last week. Some of you, many of you came to the altar last Sunday to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That is a starting point for you. You continue praying in that way. God, give me your Holy Spirit. Baptize me in your Holy Spirit. You, be, you continue to pray little s- syllables, if you will. Little syllables will come to you as you're beginning to pray. Things like that. It sounds like a bunch of gibberish. But it's the Holy Spirit speaking to your spirit communicating with God. Continue to use those things every single time you pray. All right? Speak the Word of God and truth and boldness wherever you go. Proclaim the promises of God. Proclaim the Word of God. Become a student of the Scriptures. Become a student of the Scriptures. Read the Word of God. Read more about it. Learn about it. Apply it to your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother, would you sing? Praise the Lord. Praise you. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread. 
Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, we are desperate for you, Lord. We're hungry for you. We're thirsty for you. In this dry and weary land, as your word would say, we want more of you, God. We're not satisfied. We've only just scratched the surface. We want to see miracles, signs, and wonders. We want the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives, oh God. We cry out to you, Lord. Fill us with your spirit, O oh God. Baptize us in your Holy Spirit, O oh Lord, we pray. Give us the strength, Lord, the boldness, the passion, the gifts of the spirit. And I pray that as I'm praying this right now and reaching my hand over each and every soul right now, that your Holy Spirit would touch those that are hungering for you this day, that they would sense a difference in their souls this morning, the strength and the power and the boldness of the Holy Spirit come over you this morning. May you be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so glad to be here with you today. It's an honor and a privilege. I'm so glad that you came today. If you haven't already, please fill out one of those uh, rip-off forms on the back of the uh, bulletins and give it to uh, myself or some, one of the uh, ushers. I love you. I'll see you next week. God bless you.